What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and welcome to episode number 185. Yes, we are 185 episodes in, and to see we're only 15 episodes away from 200 is really wild to me. I will get the elephant out of the room, and you could probably tell from my voice, it doesn't sound the greatest right now. I'm not going to lie to you. I woke up, I felt like crap yesterday. I woke up, felt like crap today. I've already postponed an episode of Merce Boston Sports Talk earlier this month. I can't do it again. I don't want to do it again. So if uh, you hear a little bit of raspiness or like a little, some sniffles, or <clears throat> you know, some coughs here and there, you know, I do apologize. Please try to excuse that. But I also want to make sure that I get an episode out, even if it's a shorter episode, which I anticipate today being. I only have a couple of talking points that I really want to dive into. One, I just want to finish talking about my mock draft 1.0. Things have changed from when I did originally release this last week. Obviously, to now, I already see some moves being made across the 31 first-round picks. But I also want to talk about the Bruins as well and what the end of this regular season truly does mean For not only the team, but for just the Bruins in general as they get closer to the playoffs. And as they go into said playoffs. If we have time at the end and if I still feel up to it, I do want to talk about the Celtics and how much shit has hit the fan. I guess I'll just touch upon that really quickly. I know I mentioned it last time, but I tried to warn you guys. I tried to tell you that what they're doing what they were doing at the beginning of the season was not was not sustainable it just wasn't i'm sorry 
it's a damn shame because they were so fun to watch. But after they go, where they go, five, uh, four and two on their road trip. Yeah, it could have been worse for sure. But my level of confidence in them is not that good. It really isn't. Like I look at the 76ers, who are a hot-ass team. I like them right now better than the Celtics. I like the Milwaukee Bucks, obviously, who are first place in the East better than the Celtics. You could even argue the Cavaliers, who are 8-2 and two in their last 10 games on a three-game winning streak. I like them better than the Celtics right now. And all those teams, Bucks 7-3, 76ers, 9-1, Cavaliers 8-2, all in their last 10 games. Celtics are middling at 5-5. Five and five. Those dumbass losses to the Nets, to the Knicks, even to the Cavaliers, it's catching up to you. It is absolutely catching up to you. Of course, the loss to the Houston Rockets, that's going to catch up to you. It's like, man, if you were able to just scrape some of these games that you were supposed to win, or at least in a position to win, and you actually won those games, you might still be first in the East right now. You might also be in a much better position confidence-wise, mentally-wise, team morale-wise, chemistry-wise. Just everything could be significantly better if you take four of your bad losses as of late, and I'm just going to lowball at four, overtime loss against the Cavs, overtime loss against the Knicks, uh, the game you were leading the Nets by 28, say you win that game, and, and, and the Houston Rockets game. Let's just take those four games, turn them into wins, which they all easily could have been because either it was a close game or you were blowing the other team out. And let's just say those four extra games, you're 54-19, and 19, you're a game and a half up on the, the Milwaukee Bucks. You're just in a much better spot overall. And I really hope people kind of look back and realize that it doesn't matter how good the Celtics were to start the season. That's behind us now. What this team is doing right now is concerning, and you should be concerned. And I don't even want to dive into the whole Jalen Brown news that he may not even want to be here come the end of next season. It's not a comfy time to be a Celtics fan right now, and I hope, I hope, they can figure it out between now and the playoffs. It's two, four, six, eight, nine games left of the regular season. Basically three weeks. Season ends on April 9th against the Hawks at the Garden. I mean, you end the season three straight games on the road. Raptors on April 5th. Raptors again on April 7th. And then the Hawks on April 9th. So hopefully you can use those last three games at home to really prepare you for the playoffs because you will have a first round at home. If the season was to end today, you'd be playing against the seventh seed. Currently, the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, I'm not going to say that's an easy win. It should be an easy series win, but you don't know. Because you don't know what kind of mind frame you're going to be in. Because the Hawks are right now the eighth seed. They're fighting, so that last game of the season is not going to be a layup. The Raptors are the ninth seed right now. They're still fighting for a spot. So that last two games before the Hawks is not going to be a layup. And I've already kind of mentioned this, how these games aren't going to be layups. The Pacers, who are fighting for a spot, they're currently the 11th seed. They're only a game and a half back of the Bulls. The Spurs, they're far out of it. The Wizards, they're in the 12 right now. They're only two and a half games out. Little far-fetched, but say they catch some wind. They're 2-8 and eight right now in the last 10 games. If they can turn it, off, turn it over and finish the season 7-2, and two, if they have nine games left, I'm not sure. That's a team that could be, not be an easy win and probably won't be an easy win because you see them on Tuesday. 
Then you got the Bucks, the Jazz, who you already lost to, very ugly. 76ers, who are better than you. And then those three games to end the season, like I already talked about. I mentioned this last week. This or that West Coast road trip was super important. Those losses that shouldn't have been losses will catch up to you. And it looks like it may catch up to you. And right now, if I'm the Celtics or if I'm a Celtics fan, I'm holding my breath. I'm really holding my breath because you just don't know who you're going to face in that first round. You may even get dropped down to the three seed. Because again, 76ers, 9-1 and in the last 10 games, they're breathing right behind you. They're breathing down your neck only half a game from the number two spot. And at that point, you're playing the Heat in the first round. And we all know how that went last year in the Eastern Conference Finals. It was a tight, close-fought series. So I just really hope that the Celtics can use what's left of the regular season. Use the couple games. Were they on a three? Nope. They've won three of the last four games. And I really hope that they can figure it out before it's too late. But quick little Celtics minute. Let me talk about my mock draft 1.0 real quick. So we got all the way up to, I believe, the 20th or so pick in the draft. I had Drew Sanders, the linebacker, going Arkansas. Now, again, some time has passed, so I don't want to talk too, too much about it, but I do want to breeze through it. I got Brian Branch of safety going to L.A. This could obviously be a wide receiver if there's any cap casualties, but they have a couple young receivers. Could you go offensive line here? Of course. Chargers may find themselves having to go running back if they have to move Austin Eckler because he feels underpaid but he's older and it's gonna be really tough to really quantify giving him like a four five six year deal at his age and how much wear and tear he has on his body and how high of usage he gets so currently i do see this pick changing but currently i do have them taking a safety uh brian Brees, the defensive tackle from clemson baltimore could really use uh, some help on that defensive line quarterback concerns something to watch out for in case Lamar Jackson's not the quarterback there next year. It will be very tough for them to go from 22 and trade into a top 10 spot in hopes to take one of those quarterbacks. Now, of course, they could wait to the second round. And, you know, there's some more options available. But as as it, I mean, could they take a wide receiver? Sure. Of course they could take a wide receiver. Would that be a smart thing to do? Absolutely. But who's going to throw that wide receiver the ball? You have Rashad Bateman, you have Devin DuVernay, you have Mark Andrews, tight end. So you have a couple, you know, weapons. You still have J.K. Dobbins. I think showing up that defense would significantly help. Minnesota, I have them taking Jackson Smith and Najiba. He's the first wide receiver I have taken off the board. I've mentioned this before. Wide receiver, really deep. Not a lot of top-tier flight talent, which I think will convince these teams to wait till the second and third round to take a wide receiver, which kind of... Is Jackson Smith and Najiba the, the, the best one out there? Probably. But, you know, a couple injury concerns. I think him going to Minnesota to play alongside Justin Jefferson with now Adam Thielen released and now in Carolina is a great fit there. BJ Ojulari, the defensive end from LSU going to Jacksonville. Shore up that defense. The offense looked really good. It should continue to get better. Defense, defense, defense for a team that is still going through some growing pains with a bright future offensively. I have Quinton Johnson, wide receiver from TCU, going to the New York Giants. This one's a little questionable. Do I think that they could use a wide receiver? Yes. Did the Giants bring back some wide receivers? Yes. So where else could they go? Could they go O-line to shore up and protect Daniel Jones? Absolutely. Do you go defense to help shore up so you don't get torched by the Eagles in the playoffs? Absolutely. With your, what is it, $160 million quarterback now in, in Daniel Jones, 
you want to make sure he has weapons to throw to and that he's not throwing to bums. And I think drafting Quentin Johnson will ensure that you always have weapons on the field for him to throw to because Kenny Galladay is now gone out of New York. Dallas. A lot of people were like, oh, Dallas, they're going to take B. John Robinson. They're going to take a running back. Okay. Disclaimer. I made this mock draft before Ezekiel Elliott was released. So it's, it's a little outdated. I'll admit it. But this mock draft was made before he was released. So I had them taking Osiris Torrance, the guard out of Florida, which I still think is a really good pick. Could the Cowboys address their running back needs in the second round? Sure. A couple nice guys in the second round. Jameer Gibbs, I think, is a big one that may fall to the second round, probably will fall to the second round. But he'll be the first running back, I believe, off the board in the second round. But I have them taking Osiris Torrance because Cowboys are going to need some offensive line help. They've addressed the wide receiver issue. Could they continue to address um, secondary? Absolutely. But I think shoring up that offensive line to allow Dak the time that he needs in the pocket so he's not creating those turnovers and throwing those interceptions would really significantly help, which was kind of their Achilles heel uh, in the playoff game against the 49ers. Buffalo, I have them taking Darnell Washington, the tight end out of Georgia, with Buffalo signing Damian Harris. And again, this was made before that signing. But what I really liked about Darnell Washington is he's almost like another offensive lineman, which would really work great with Josh Allen and his running capabilities, whether it's quarterback draws or him scrambling. Darnell Washington could be there blocking and then just kind of slip out into a flat, and Josh Allen can hit him right there. He can extend the field. His size is massive. But now that Buffalo does have Damian Harris, a one-cut power back, I think Darnell Washington would be excellent, an excellent um, counterpart to Dawson Knox. I think Darnell Washington would be great in the play action for Buffalo with Damian Harrison, play action, Josh Allen, you know, fake quarterback runs, bootleg rollouts. So I really do like Darnell Washington, tight end um, from Georgia, going to Buffalo there. Number 28, I have the Bengals taking Broderick Jones, the offensive tackle. You have to shore up Joe Burrow. Too much time, and again, he was hit, knocked down, sacked. You need to protect the guy. Your defense is all right. Your offense is all right. Your offense is good. Your defense plays fine. You need to protect that offensive line. You need to protect your franchise quarterback. New Orleans at 29, Zay Flowers, wide receiver out of Boston College. Right now, their quarterback is Derek Carr. For the next four years, it seems like he needs weapons. Michael Thomas is a huge, huge question mark. And yes, I understand that they have Taysom Hill, but he's not a threat. He's not like a he's not a Travis Kelsey, a Darren Waller. He's not any of those guys. And yes, you dra- you drafted Chris Olave last year in the first round. But that NFC South is wide open. It really is wide open. If you can surround Derek Carr with Alvin Kamara, if you bring back Mark Ingram, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas maybe, but then you go in with Zay Flowers and maybe get a tight end in the second round, it would be a really, really sneaky good offense. I really do believe it because I think they were just a quarterback away from making real noise in that NFC South last year. Number 30, Philadelphia Eagles taking B. John Robinson. Do I see Robinson falling this late? Yes and no. Uh, I think there's just a lot of other necessities these teams need to address. Again, Buffalo, I'm sorry, not Buffalo, Dallas now 
with Tony Pollard only. A lot of Cowboy fans want Bijan Robinson. Philly, with Miles Sanders now in Carolina, is a prime candidate to take Bijan Robinson. We could see Kansas City taking Bijan Robinson. Yeah, Isaiah Pacheco's nice. But, eh. eh. I don't know. I feel like he's just one-dimensional. I think Bijan Robinson's significantly better. Um, the Chargers, if they move on from Austin Eckler. Tampa Bay, they just released Leonard Fournette. So, I mean, there's a couple different teams that we could even peg here. Um, Washington, I don't think so. But you never know. Green Bay, no. New England. Uh, why? Did, I've heard rumors. Bijan Robinson or even Jameer Gibbs to New England at 14, I think would be absolutely stupid. But, I mean, I could definitely see him going anywhere from 19 all the way down to 31. I really do. And I think Bijan Robinson is the best running back in the class, and he will be the first one off the board. It's just a matter of what team is willing to use a first-round pick on a running back. That's going to be the true question here. And I think, again, Dallas didn't cut Zeke at the time that I made 1.0, but I do think at the time Philly was a prime candidate given all the other needs that these other teams needed to address. Kansas City at 31, taking Dewan Jones, offensive tackle. You lost Orlando Brown. You lost, oh man, you lost the other tackle too, I believe. I forget his name. But they have a huge hole at tackle that they need to address, and they need to continue to protect Patrick Mahomes, their $500 million quarterback. He needs protection. Your weapons are okay. Yes, you lost Juju. Wide receiver class is pretty deep. You drafted Sky Moore in the first round last year. You still have Travis Kelsey and a couple other tight ends. Running backs, again, maybe, but... I think protecting your franchise quarterback is the way to go here if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. All right. Now, like I do at the end of every mock draft, I like to have some notes. So these are my mock draft notes. This is version 1.1. There was no projected trades. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, just for clarification, Miami forfeited their first-round pick in 2023 in the 2023 draft due to the NFL's investigation of integrity of the game violations against team owner Stephen Ross. So that's why if you only see 31 projected picks in the first round, it's because Miami had to forfeit their first round pick. I just want to clarify, a lot of people don't know that, a lot of people don't remember that, but that's why you're seeing 31, 31, 31 everywhere instead of the typical 32 teams drafting. Uh, wide receiver is deep this year with a lot of late first round to mid round talent. I don't expect to see any taken in the early or even in the middle of the first round we may see three to four or fewer taken in the whole first round so this is kind of what i was piggybacking off with by saying that the wide receiver draft draft class is deep i don't think teams need to take a flurry of wide receivers at the end of the uh, top 10 in the beginning of the teens like we saw last year we saw drake london garrett wilson chris olave jameson williams we saw them all fly off the board Traylon burks even sky moore at 21 we just saw a ton of receivers fly. And I don't think we're going to see that necessarily again this year. Again, the class is deep, and I think teams will have other other necessities and needs that they want to address with their earlier picks in the 2023 draft. Let's see, my 1.0, I have one, two, three wide receivers taken. That's as many as I think we could see. But then again, wide receiver is a premium position. First round, you do get that fifth-year option for first-round selections. Could we see some teams trade back into the first round 
anywhere from 25 or, you know, let's just say 24 and all the way to 31. Like we saw last year, we saw Jacksonville trade in. We saw the Jets trade back in. So we could see some teams trade back into the first round to maybe draft a wide receiver to get that fifth-year option or maybe to draft uh, a B. John Robinson or an offensive tackle just so they have that extra year of team control. Um, it's a later point that I have, but I'll address it now since I already kind of touched on it. Teams trading back into the mid to late first round, like last year, might be a popular thing for teams to do if they see highly touted prospects sitting on the board. Teams want that fifth-year option on their rookie's rookie contract to ensure they have them under team control for five years before they hit the open market. So again, I already touched upon it. If you're not taken in the first round, then your rookie contract's only four years. If you are taken in the first round, you do sign a four-year deal, but teams have the option to pick up a fifth-year option. So next year, next year, Mac Jones is going to have a fifth-year option available to the Patriots. Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, they're all going to have fifth-year options that need to be exercised by the end of year three. A little confusing, but again... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. We saw Jacksonville. We saw the Jets. We saw the, the Lions trade back into the first round. Uh, they may have. I forget if they did or not. But again, the New York Giants, who may not have any glaring needs right now, and they just trade a third-round pick, may trade out of that first-round pick to get a second-round pick, a third-round pick, and something else, maybe a next-year first, uh, just to you know recycle their, their assets and to better themselves long-term. A team like uh, Buffalo, who may not have any glaring needs after signing Damian Harris and having Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, may do the same thing. So it's definitely a possibility. I mean, a team like Philly, who has a really good sound roster as it is, may, you know, being towards the end of that first round, may get someone to overpay for that fifth-year option because it does not matter where in the first round you're selected. In typical drafts, as long as you're taking 1 to 32, you'll have that fifth-year option, but in this case, it's only 1 to 31. A flurry of offensive tackles could be taken in chunks throughout the mid of the late first round. Uh, we could see teams trade back into the first round to draft one in efforts to get that fifth-year option. Uh, left tackles are franchise players. Wide receivers are franchise players. Wide uh, Quarterbacks, wide receivers, corners, offensive tackles, linebackers, all franchise players. Uh, let's see. Offensive tackles in the top 10. I only have Peter Skaronsky, but we have Paris Johnson at 11, Darnell Wright at 13, Anton Harrison at 16. And then, you know, you get Osiris Jones guard at 26, Broderick Jones at 28, and then Dewan Jones at 31. I mean, yeah, we could definitely see a flurry of offensive tackles taken. And I think the Bears, if they stay at nine, are a prime team to take one. And they're probably the best team to take the first offensive tackle. And then we should see team uh, guys flying. Tennessee desperately needs one. Jets could use one. Patriots, I mean, they signed a couple veterans, but, I mean, they could also use one as well. Washington could use one. 
Seattle had a good draft last year of tackles, so they don't need one, but Tampa Bay might. Baltimore could. So, it, I mean, we could absolutely see teams come back into the first round or even move up from the first round. A team like the Bengals at 28 could try to trade all the way up to 13 with the Jets or to 16 with the the Commanders to try to get a better offensive tackle or a better offensive lineman, I should say. Players like Nolan Smith, Jameer Gibbs, Jordan Addison, Luke Musgrave could easily be seen in the first round. So these are guys that I had off of my board um, in the first round here. Nolan Smith, linebacker from Georgia. Jameer Gibbs, running back from Alabama. Jordan Addison, wide receiver from USC, I believe. And then Luke Musgrave's uh, tight end as well. So these are all guys that we could absolutely see anywhere in the first round. I don't think they'll be top 10 guys. But Nolan Smith has top five potential. He's just been dinged up and injured. But I think a team like Seattle or a team like uh, the Chargers, Baltimore, Jacksonville. I mean, I think Jacksonville just drafted a linebacker last year. You know, a lot of these teams could really use New England. Could argue could use another linebacker as well. And I think that would make a lot of good sense for these teams to take a guy like Nolan Smith. Don't let the injuries fool you. He had a good combine. He's put up some really good statistics. Jameer Gibbs is that other uh, running back outside of Bijan Robinson that we could see someone take. Again, we could see um, the Chargers take a running back, Tampa take a running back. Uh, let's see, what else? No, Buffalo, obviously. I mean, not Buffalo, I'm sorry. Uh, Dallas could take a running back. We don't know Joe Mixon's situation in Cincinnati. It, that could change. So maybe Cincinnati. I don't think they should, but they could. And then, of course, Philadelphia at 30 that I have them taking one. But Jordan Addison and Luke Musgraves are just other skilled position players, wide receiver and tight end respectively, that I left off the board that I just didn't have enough room for in the first round for them to, to find a home. But that is everything. And, of course, considering the stuff that we talked about last week for episode number 184, that is everything first round related that I need to discuss for my mock draft 1.0. 2.0. We'll be out within the next couple of weeks or so. Very, very excited for that. I already see changes. I anticipate I anticipate trades, and I'm very, very excited to showcase that. But without further ado, let's keep this train going. I want a sip of water first. But let's talk about the Bruins. So the Bruins are currently on pace to break the single-season point record of 132 from the Montreal Canadiens during the 1976-77 season with 132 points. Like I mentioned, they had a record of 68-12. and 12. Uh, Bruins are also on pace to beat the single-season wins record set by the 1995-96 Detroit Red Wings and the 2018-19 Tampa Bay Lightning. Both teams finished with 62 wins. However, the Red Wings had 13 losses and seven overtime losses whereas the lightning had 16 losses and only four regular uh, four overtime losses bruins are currently on pace for 64 wins uh what does that translate to that translates to 120 what does that translate to that translates to oh give me a second here 128 points by wins and then a handful of overtime losses. I don't know what the pace is for the point record is, but what is it? Uh, no, not that one. 
132. They already have five. So, yeah, they should be on pace to break it. But I'm not here to talk about pace. I'm not. I'm not here to talk about what they could do and what they couldn't do. I'm here to tell you that it does not matter to me if they break the point record or they break the win record or both. I truthfully don't care. Is it cool? Sure. Is it nice? Sure. But I'm here to tell you right now that if they break those records, either one or both, and they don't win the Stanley Cup Finals, it was all for nothing. No one's going to remember it. No one's going to care. Like, people talk about the 72-10 and 10 Chicago Bulls like the greatest team of all time. Why? Because they won at the end of it. Now, technically, the 73-9 and nine Golden State Warriors is technically the best team of all time if we're just going to look at it from a record standpoint. But you want to know what that team didn't do, and you probably all remember it very, very nicely, is they didn't win the finals. They lost to LeBron James and Kyrie Irving and the Cavali- uh, Cleveland Cavaliers that year. I mean, cool little story, 73-9, but nobody talks about them <coughs> nearly as much as they do about the 70-10, uh, 72-10 and 10 Chicago Bulls. Why? Because that team, that Chicago Bulls team, won everything at the end of the day. And that's exactly what the Bruins need to do. I don't care if the Bruins win the division win the conference, win the President's Trophy, you know, get all the the historic points and all that and the historic wins, Mark. Is it cool? Yes. But if you do all that and don't win, it's only going to show disappointment. It's going to show that the Bruins aren't clutch. The Bruins choked the season away, a historic season away. The Bruins choked arguably the greatest season in NHL history away. By coming up short and not winning the Stanley Cup Finals. So they will get to a point where Coach Jim Montgomery has to consider sitting some of his stars. Specifically guys like Bergeron, Marchand, Krejci, Olmark maybe. You know, especially because he's going to be your goalie going into the playoffs. You know, the Vesna, the soon-to-be Vesna winner. It is the smart thing to do. Now, is it too early? Yes. There's 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 11 games left. You should probably start looking at doing it, you know, here and there with like two weeks to go, right? Once we get to April 1st, season ends on April 13th, (coughs) excuse me, that's probably a good time to do it. The Bruins have been so fun to watch from a local standpoint and a regional standpoint to a national standpoint. A lot of people are talking about the Bruins. But all this chatter is coming from the historic season, the historic run, and their heavy favorites to win the Stanley Cup at the end of the year. Which is all true to date. But you want to know who they're going to be talking about in June? Not the Bruins for the, because they had the most wins or the most points. Whoever won the Stanley Cup, that's who they're going to be talking about. And you need to make sure that that's you. Now, you do end the season with a bunch of good opponents coming up. The Lightning, the Hurricanes, the Penguins, the Maple Leafs. 
Uh, let's see. Where are the Flyers this year? Uh, Flyers, no. Um, let's see. Uh, I already talked about the Maple Leafs. I already talked about the Lightning. Hurricanes. The Devils are a good team this year. So you do have some decent talent, talented teams, teams that are fighting for playoff positioning coming up. And I think it is absolutely crucial for the Bruins to not only play these games out, play them smart, obviously play to win. But once you get to April, you may want to start sitting some of those guys. You really, really should think about it. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. My goodness, I'm so sorry. I I just I don't want this team to run out of gas. This team is an older team. It is not a young buck team. Don't want them to run out of gas. We saw the Celtics run out of gas last year against the Warriors. They played a seven-game series against the Bucks. They played a seven-game series against the Heat. The Warriors, I think, played, what, a four, a five, and a five-game series? So they were well-rested. And then the Celtics played the, the Warriors in six games. They played a lot of playoff games. They did. And they're a much younger team. Bruins, much older team. So when you get to specifically the Blue Jackets, the Blues, Flyers, Capitals. I mean, season's going to be determined by once you get to just about the Capitals and the Canadians' perspective. Might have to sit some guys. I, Yes, we all want the point in the win record. But if it's obtainable within two games, I mean, maybe it's something that Bergeron and, and Marshan and Krejci all want. But I'm sure knowing the professional leaders that they are, that they would rather hoist a Stanley Cup trophy. Because they're going to get the President's Trophy. I mean, that's that's for the most points in the regular season. That's a sure lock. They're not fighting for that. They're fighting to hoist that Stanley Cup. Because one title is nice. One championship is nice. But two, regardless of the sport, two puts you just above everybody else. Or the majority of everybody else. It just shows that it wasn't a one-time fluke. Like, I think the biggest flaw for the Bruins and the Celtics over the past 20 years is only one title each. I mean, that 08 Celtics team, great team, best team clearly that year. But they came up short in 2010. They should have won it in 2012. But they just came up short. Bruins, again, 2013, came up short. 2019, same thing. Countless times they should have got there, but they didn't. They would love, those older guys, would absolutely love to put two trophies in their case. Two Stanley Cup wins on their resume. It just separates you from the majority of the rest. It puts you in that upper echelon category, and I think that's what that team wants. Again, point and win record is all nice. But if you don't win, no one's going to care. I'm actually kind of curious. Uh, let's see. Stanley Cup winner, 1976-77. Who won that year? Okay, so the Canadians won in 67-77. Stanley Cup winner, what was it, 95-96? Um, let me see here. Uh, let's see. It was 95-96. Who won? The Colorado Avalanche. No one didn't, didn't see that coming. And then I believe, I know it was more recent. I probably should know this. 
2018-19. I think that was the year that they did win. Oh, no. That was the Bruins year that they lost. Oh, shoot. Oh, man. I totally forgot about that. Um, Let's see. Yeah, they played the Sharks were good that year, huh? Did the Bruins play the... Um, I remember they played the, the Hurricane. They swooped them. Did they not play? I thought they played the the Lightning that year. Oh, no. I think it was the year the Lightning got out in the first round. Round one. I'm trying to think. Um, where? Why can't I find any Lightning? Oh, that's right. Columbus swept them. Oh, and that opened the path for you to the finals. Yeah, all you had to do was get through uh, Toronto, which you were down 3-2. Then you did. And then who did you play? You played Columbus. Joke. Uh, round two. Yeah, you played Columbus. How did that series end? 1-1. One, one. Columbus 2-1. Two, 3-2. Two. Okay, you beat them in six games. And then you swept the Hurricane. Wow. Totally, totally forgot. So the two teams... With the most wins in NHL history, both did not win the Stanley Cup Finals. I just feel like not a lot of people are talking about them. A lot of people just throw it out the window. You know who they talk about? They talk about the St. Louis Blues for winning that year. Oh, damn, I can't believe that was the season. Oh, that's so upsetting. <laughs> that's so upsetting. I have to go back to that. But we'll see. We still have you know three weeks left of the regular season. Bruins play the Lightning tomorrow. Be a really good matchup. Then they play against the Hurricanes on Sunday. Bruins definitely have some good games coming up, and I'm very excited to continue watching and enjoying this journey as the Bruins. I don't know. Let's see where the season goes, but let's just enjoy the ride, and once we get to the playoffs, we can talk about the playoffs then. But, guys, I really do appreciate you joining me for today's episode. I do apologize. It was a little shorter than normal. I'm sorry that you had to hear me cough, sniffle, and, and all that gross stuff. Not feeling the greatest. Am I back under the weather? It apparently seems so, but I do feel a little bit better than I did a couple weeks ago, which is nice. But, man, I cannot catch a break. I just hope my body isn't breaking down. You know, I'm, I'm here at the shop six days a week, working 60 hours or so. So I just really hope my body isn't breaking down. But we will have to see if that is the case or not. But nonetheless, nonetheless, who cares? Thank you guys so much for joining me for today's episode. You can find me on social media at Murph's Card Town on Twitter, Instagram, and of course, Facebook as well. Thank you so much for clicking on this video. If you're watching on YouTube, please make sure you smash the thumbs up button, comment down below, and of course, subscribe to the channel if you're new or haven't considered subscribing. Thank you to everyone who's listening to this on audio-only platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever you can listen to your podcasts. You can find Merce Boston Sports Talk. And I really appreciate if you were to download, listen, and of course, enjoy the episodes. But that is going to do it. I can't wait to see you guys for next week for episode 186. Hopefully I feel a little bit better. But between now and then, you guys know that I love you. And I will always, always see you. <music>
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.